Ooh, girl, turn that up. What song is this? Girl, this my song. You don't know this? I don't think so. Let me turn it up. Okay. I like this. Girl, right? Girl, this is my jam. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to My Sister's Jam. I'm your host, Camille, and I'm here with your other host, my lovely big sister, Missy. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. What's, What's going up with on? you, girl? Girl, nothing. Nothing. Well, listeners, on today's episode, we will be discussing some of our favorite jams from scary movies and spooky TV shows. Yes! And we are excited about it. We are so excited about it, y'all. Like, we hope we can shut up. Yeah, but we probably won't be able to. (laughs) And to commemorate this spooky episode, we got our spooky drinks. Sister, what you drinking? I got a spooky drink. It's called a Halloween margarita Mm. that I found online. It's basically apple cider syrup that I made. And the recipe called for tequila, but I did not have tequila. And I did not feel like going to get any. So (laughs) I just used 100 proof whiskey and lime juice. Mm. And it is extremely delicious. I'm it surprised it still came out good with whiskey. I'm like, this is no longer a margarita if it's not right. tequila. That so we is don't my have to fault. change the name for you, I guess. <laughs> ha- Halloween Missy Eater. There you go. Well, my drink um, is wine, but it's spooky because mm-hmm. it is sweet red wine. And that is not a thing that I usually drink. So I You was do afraid. not drink sweet red <laughs> I was creeped out by the sweet <laughs> factor, but it's actually decent. And the only reason I bought it is because it still had a decent alcohol content. Usually the sweet wines are low in alcohol and I'll roll with that. But this one was still 12% and um, that's good enough for me. And it's actually kind of tasty. So spooky, spooky, spooky. <laughs> Very good. You went out on the limb. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> Now, y'all, like we said, we are super excited for this scary episode as we both love horror movies and the scores that contributed to their success. So we are going to dive deep, deep, deep into those. Um, But first, what I want to do is give y'all a few horror movie fast facts just to get you in the spooky mood. Are you ready for some fast facts that'll be kind of not that fast because they're a little bit long? But are you ready for some fast facts? I'm ready for all the facts when it comes to horror movies. So let's go. Let's go. Fans of the horror film The Ring no doubt will always remember the little girl Samara who came to kill you seven days after watching a film of her on a haunted VHS tape. The producers created her stiff, unnatural movements by having the actress walk backwards during her scenes and then reversing the move post-production resulting in the ultra-creepy Samara Walk. In Alfred Hitchcock's classic movie, Psycho, everyone knows the legendary shower scene where the main character, Marion, played, of course, by Janet Leigh, mother of future scream queen, Jamie Lee Curtis, is killed by Norman Bates. 
Well, the scene, which lasted only 45 seconds, took a week to shoot due to strict censorship rules and the directors having to strategically shoot Lee's naked body. In the horror classic Scream, it's revealed that Sydney's boyfriend, Billy, is one of the killers that has been terrorizing her and their whole town the entire time. Well, after this big reveal, there's a scene where Sydney stabs Billy with the pointed end of, of an umbrella and Billy cries out in pain. Well, that cry was real, as the protective vest that actor Skeet Ulrich was wearing didn't do its job, and he got stabbed with the umbrella, hitting an old wound from a prior open-heart surgery operation. Ouch. And those are our horror movie fast facts. I mean, yikes. Wow. Do your job, protective vest. Do it all the way. Because I'm sure it wasn't as hard as it could have been. But do your job completely, protective vest. Now, if you are ready, sister, I am absolutely ready for you to jump into your first spooky jam. Girl, let's get into it. Girl, let's go because we got to try and get through all this information. Let's go. I could talk about horror movies for hours, but let us go. So my first jam from horror movies or scary TV shows is the main title from A Nightmare on Elm Street from composer Charles Bernstein. Written by American composer Charles Harold Bernstein, the main title from A Nightmare on Elm Street was released in 1984 as part of the movie's original motion picture soundtrack. Now, those that are familiar with A Nightmare on Elm Street, which is everybody, <laughs> this, is, this is the song that plays at the very beginning of part one when Freddy is in the boiler room making his glove. It also plays at different times throughout the first movie. The song is super creepy and it is perfect for horror, horror villain Freddy Krueger. Now, Charles Bernstein, hopefully I'm saying his name right, <laughs> Bernstein or Bernstein is a daytime Emmy award-winning composer of film and television scores, including, of course, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Cujo, and Ms. Evers' Boys. In an archived interview that I found online, he talked about what it's like working on a film score for a horror film as opposed to other genres. Mm-hmm. He he noted that horror and suspense film scores, in his opinion, are great for composers because they provide for such a wide range of stylistic and experimental music possibilities, mm-hmm. which I could kind of see that. Absolutely. You can that make kind- it really weird. Like it doesn't yeah, have yeah, to like, be like a good song, quote unquote. You can right. really get kind of kooky. And so many different sounds actually turn yeah. out to sound creepy, which we will discover throughout this episode. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, so he got his initial ideas and inspirations for the score by spending time with the crew while filming as the movie wasn't yet completed when he started work on the soundtrack. And he spent lots of time watching the footage of what had already been shot to get a feel for Freddie and his vibe. When running his ideas for the theme by Wes Craven, the director, the legendary Wes Craven. Mm -hmm. He said Wes was super supportive and gave him creative reign over the score. He was really easy to work with, according to him. Mm -hmm. 
The results were fantastic, of course, as the movie went on to become a horror movie classic, grossing almost $60 million worldwide with a budget of only $1.1 million. Nice. The score plays a huge role in films, and you got to give credit where credit is due. Absolutely. And, and so you can't help but understand that the score was part of the reason for its huge success. Now, those closest to me know that Freddy Krueger is my favorite horror movie villain of all time. Yes. I love him. He is everything. <laughs> and I actually got to meet Robert England either February or March of this year when I went to a horror convention in North Carolina that he was going to be at. And I got to meet him amongst many other famous people, but he was the one I was super, super there for. And I got a picture with him and he was so nice and sweet. And I was incredibly nervous. He was like, it's okay. You can put your arm around me. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if I want to put my arm around you, Freddie Krueger. Like, first of all, <laughs> I, was I don't so know nervous. if I quite trust I you, like, sir. I was like, do I go close? He was like, come on, you can put your arm around me. I was like, you're so nice. Hi. That is so awesome. I was in the seventh heaven. Yes. yes. My yes. life you'll is have made. To, um, you'll have to share on the socials so y'all can see. I sure will. I would yes. love to. And that is my first horror movie jam. I hey. absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first horror movie jam is Helen's Theme. This is the Candyman music by Philip Glass. Mm. Now, Yes, Candyman. Yep. I ain't gonna mm, say that too many times, y'all. <laughs> uh, we're not gonna say that five times. Was it five not times? gonna say that too many times. I'm gonna have to start calling him Sea Man or something now. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> the film score was composed again by Philip Glass, and according to Philip, it has become a classic. So I still make money from that score and get checks every year. Must be That's nice. What I'm talking about. Get that I mean, <laughs> get that passive income. You know, <laughs> do it now. Now, a compilation of music from the film and from the first sequel was released under the title "The Music of Candyman" as the inaugural release of Glass's Orange Mountain Music Record Company in 2001. Now, this music definitely sends chills over you, y'all, especially if you can remember the movie. But like, even the song on its own is still mm. chilling in a just, yes it is. <laughs> it is it is it is um but it also and i'm gonna see how you feel about this the this music also makes me think of tupac's song i am mad at you can you hear that at the very beginning do you hear those similarities at the very beginning of the Candyman theme and as soon as like Tupac finished that little monologue at the beginning of i am mad at you and then the, the music comes in that it's in both. Oh yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. I do. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, it sounds almost the almost same to me. Um, those first so, yeah. few notes, I kind of see that a mm -hmm, little bit. Okay. So. Okay. So, no. Yeah, but I, I mean, you. I ain't mad at you. It isn't creepy, but it sounds similar, y'all. So right. <laughs> <laughs> let us know what you think. Do you think it sounds similar? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, but anywho more about the movie 
this iconic 1992 supernatural horror film, Candyman, uh, the original one is what we're referring to, of course, because yes. there were sequels released in 95, 99, and 2021. But the original follows a Chicago graduate student, Helen, completing a thesis on urban legends and folklore, which leads her to the legend of the Candyman, the ghost of an African-American artist and the son of a slave who was murdered by a mob of angry white men in the late 19th century for his relationship with the daughter of a wealthy man. Now, they cut off his right hand and covered him in honey, which attracted bees and led him to being stung to death. His corpse was burned uh, in the same area where the Cabrini Green homes were eventually built. Now, it's a housing project in Chicago, for those of y'all that aren't familiar. Uh, but that's what it is. Right. Yeah, it's gone now. They've I think down, it's gone but, now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, legend has it that the Seaman <laughs> is a spirit <laughs> who kills anyone that speaks his name five times in front of a mirror. Now, the actor who starred in the film as the title character, that actor's Tony Todd, he mm. had to film all relevant bee scenes using real honeybees, including in his mouth while wearing a protective mouthpiece, uh, of course, to prevent stings. But the stings were not completely prevented, and he endured 23 bee stings, with the film studio having to pay him a thousand bucks. For every sting, which was a bonus that he negotiated with them. I'm like, yeah, you better get your coin. Mm-hmm. Tell them, like, I'll do Tell this, them. but listen, you go run me some extra I'm money for this, okay? real bees in my mouth. Uh-uh. <laughs> real actual bees in my mouth? Boy, mm-hmm. listen. <sighs> Anywho, now the honeybees in the movie were controlled by Norman Gary, who previously handled the bees on films such as The Deadly Bees from 1966, My Girl from 91, we remember that, and mm-hmm. Fried Green Tomatoes, also from 91. Now, the film used more than 200,000 real honeybees throughout, and most of the crew wore bodysuits to be protected from stings, but all of them ended up facing at least one. And Mm. I'm like, I would not have signed up to be in or around this movie. (laughs) I I could not have done this. Like, I I just don't know. The the bees, no, no. Forget these bees. Y'all can have it. I have been stung enough in my life naturally to not, girl. Listen, I've been stung like three or four times. Well, knock on wood, I have not. But mm, I don't want to, okay? I just don't <laughs> want to. I'm cool where I'm at. Um, and this movie definitely used to scare the crap out of me as a kid. And I'm sure this music had a lot to do with it because yep. it's so stinking chilling. But I remember my daddy had a long coat he and it, really did. Did. it didn't even look anything <laughs> like Candyman's coat but the coat scared me y'all I was that scared of the movie that his coat just scared me when it was like hanging in the closet and I'm like right. nope 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 don't like it close the door like I don't want to see it it was, I mean, it was that scary it kind of looked like Candyman coat it did I feel like look, my like 90s like, was like denim with like a brown leather collar or some I don't know some 90s looking coat and Candyman's was actually brown I think I don't know but <laughs> Yeah. It was a coat and it was long and I was not I You were not here it. for it. You were you weren't there for the coat. Mm-hmm. I wasn't here for the coat. So if y'all got candy man coats in y'all closet somewhere, go on and get rid of those. <laughs> go on and get them out of here. Yes. But that is my first scary movie jam. A very good one. An mm-hmm. absolutely wonderful fave horror movie. Yes. Yes. All right. So we are on to my second one, girl. Mm-hmm. 
So my second song that I'm going to discuss is called The Funeral March of a Marionette from Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Now, this was from a TV show. Those old heads play me (laughs) that remember Alfred Hitchcock Presents. So The Funeral March of a Marionette is a short classical piece by French composer Charles Gounou. It was originally written as a solo piano piece in 1872 and then was orchestrated in 1879. However, it became best known as the theme music for the legendary show Alfred Hitchcock Presents that aired on CBS and NBC between 1955 and 1965. Now I know what y'all thinking. Y'all like, Missy, girl, Ain't no way you were alive in 1955 <laughs> to 1965. <laughs> watching this show. But I'll get to that. <laughs> uh, created, hosted, and produced by famed English film director and screenwriter Sir Alfred Joseph Hitchcock, the anthology series features stories in the genres of horror, mystery, suspense, and crime. Hitchcock whose legacy also includes directing iconic films like Psycho, for which he was nominated for an Oscar, The Birds, and Dial M for Murder. He chose Funeral March of a Marionette as the theme music for the show after hearing the song in a movie and it left a lasting impact on him. (laughs) So Alfred Hitchcock Presents quickly became known for its title sequence, which included the song, a caricature line drawing of Hitchcock and his absolutely adorable plump frame, which he, which he drew himself. He drew this line drawing himself and the silhouette of Hitchcock himself walking into the line drawing. Mm -hmm. He always opened the show with a monologue that started with good evening. He always, (laughs) I always remember that like forever. Good evening. (laughs) And then he basically set up what the show was going to be about and deliver a few jokes in his dry, monotone voice. And he'd shoot the monologue either from an empty room in the studio or from the set of the actual episode. Mm -hmm. The show was a huge success and is still in syndication to this day. And it's also available on most streaming services like Peacock and Amazon Prime. The show was actually revived. In 1985, which I was definitely in that thing by 1985. (laughs) And this is where you come in. (laughs) And this is where I come in and how I know Alfred Hitchcock presents. Although I I have seen some of the old episodes too, since it still plays. Mm -hmm. But it was revived in 1985 and included the original theme and colorized footage of Alfred Hitchcock introducing the episodes. Now, the footage was taken from the old show as Alfred Hitchcock had passed away back in 1980. Hmm. So the show ran for four seasons and included guest star appearances from celebrities like Arsenio Hall, Joaquin Phoenix, and Martin Sheen. Now, me and mom, when I tell you, me and mom... (laughs) were in that thing for every Alfred Hitchcock Presents episode. (laughs) Like, everyone. It was kind of like a mixture of, like, Twilight Zone slash Tales from the Crypt. It it was like that kind of series. Like, 
Alfred Hitchcock would introduce the show and like give you the premise of the show and then it would go into the, the episode and then gotcha. he would close out the show letting yes. you know like what happened kind of give you an epilogue outstanding great and suspenseful show with an iconic super recognizable show theme and that it is my second jam Awesome. Yeah, I think you and mom might be the only people I ever hear talk about Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know much about him. A little bit he was so huge. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah, before a lot of people's time, but absolutely pivotal memory, like in pop culture, huge horror director, iconic films. For sure. Well, you did mention The Twilight Zone, which takes me right into my next spooky jam, which is The Twilight Zone theme by Mm -hmm. Marius, or maybe Marius Constant. The Twilight Zone is an anthology television series created by Rod Serling, in which characters find themselves dealing with often disturbing or unusual events, an experience described as entering the Twilight Zone. Now, the Mm. episodes are in various genres, including fantasy, science fiction, absurdism, dystopian fiction, suspense, horror, supernatural drama, black comedy, and psychological thriller, frequently concluding with an unexpected twist and usually a moral. Now, a popular Mm. and critical success, it introduced many Americans to common sci-fi and fantasy tropes. The first series, shot entirely in black and white, ran on CBS for five seasons from 1959 to 1964. Classic. Now, Marius Constant uh, was a Romanian-born French composer and conductor. Although known in the classical world primarily for his ballet scores, his most widely known music was the iconic guitar theme for the Twilight Zone American television series. Mm-hmm. Now, in the late 1950s, Constant was commissioned by Lud Gluskin of CBS to create a number of short pieces for the CBS stock music library that could be used in CBS radio and TV shows. The unusual, sometimes discordant nature of Constant's work meant that the pieces were seldom heard or used. In 1960, Gluskin was asked to find a new theme for the main title and end credits of the CBS television series The Twilight Zone then entering its second season to replace the original one by Bernard Herman. Now, new pieces submitted by Herman, uh, a Jerry Goldsmith, Leith Stevens, and others were all considered unsuitable. So in desperation, Gleskin edited together two pieces by Constant, and the resulting theme quickly became iconic and is easily, again, his most well-known work. Now, Constant himself was apparently unaware for some years that his music was being used as the Twilight Zone theme because the music was, yeah, it was part of a work made for hire agreement with CBS. So Constant derived no ongoing income from it. Okay. I was just about to say, I was like, wait a minute. So he didn't get paid? Right. 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 Uh, Uh-uh. You're going to run me my money. Acceptable. (laughs) Like that sucks and that is unacceptable like Mm -mm. this theme song is so like the only way i can describe the twilight zone theme is zany it sounds zany (laughs) it does sound like you're going through like some kind of tunnel and i'm sorry for this song to have blown up and still be talked about and used today Mm -hmm. like unreal (laughs) he didn't get no money 
y'all tripping they was tripping uh uh-uh. uh i'm gonna have to look into that he never got yeah. any money okay yeah, that's what it say so yeah but uh, it's like the theme is so recognizable like first of all it just makes you want to watch it like as <laughs> you hear it freaking love <laughs> y'all twilight listen zone to the playlist and hear this like as soon as it is you're gonna be like yep i'm ready to watch twilight zone you remember we used to watch the they used to have the twilight zone marathons i think on new Man, Eve, lit, we used to watch lit. it listen <laughs> yes. we were there every year bro and i'm like when I say used to watch it, you maybe still do. You still watch Charlie's on New Year's Eve? Well, I don't because it's been so long since I had cable. Yeah. And remember, they used to do it. I think it's still called the Sci-Fi Network. It would be on the Sci-Fi Network every New Year's Eve. And it would start like so early New Year's Eve and play all yeah. day. We would yeah. watch it all day. I haven't in so long because I haven't had cable in so long. Mm-hmm. But mom got me a DVD box set many years ago that i watched nice yeah i still watch I need to watch it again Love for it. sure there was some good ones i'm gonna oh, shut up i'm gonna shut up we could go we could go for a whole <laughs> yeah, we could hour talk about, about... This a while, i'm definitely finna go into our favorite <laughs> ones okay this right. is not a twilight zone podcast <laughs> yeah go, okay me and mom gonna have to tell you our favorite ones to right. see if you oh, i remember her favorite one was something about the street oh what's the name of the street uh, she's Wim, like, uh, Wim, not Wimberly. Not that's Wimberly. what I was gonna uh, say. Then I almost said Waverly. Is it Waverly? No, that's the street we lived on back oh, home. In real life. I was gonna say, am I making that up? Okay, yeah. Okay. Well, oh, never no, mind. No, we can't no. remember y'all. I'm thinking about the train episode. Next stop, Willoughby. That, that, yeah, that's another that one too. Yeah. yeah next that's stop, what Willoughby. I'm talking about. I think. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, classic. But okay. <laughs> Twilight Zone <laughs> is definitely a lit show, and that theme lit. song is definitely a classic. And that and Rod Serling was was way before his time. Let yes. me just say that because some mm-hmm. of that writing and the ridiculousness that's going on now, I'm like, sir. Mm-hmm. Oh, remember but that okay. one where like he was freezing people or something like if stopping time and people in the bank right. were standing there. Oh, yes, this is some good episode. <laughs> man and then remember yes. the dude that like that would be like in the bars and stuff and would make people mad because he talked too much and somebody bet him to stop talking for a day I don't somebody that somebody so somebody bet him in the pool hall to stop talking for like 24 hours and they would give him like this insane amount of money for back in the day it may have been like a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or whatever and he did it like he stopped talking for 24 hours mm-hmm. but they were joking with him they were like, oh, man, we were just busting your chops. We didn't think you could actually do it, bro. And in order to do it, he had his vocal cords cut. Oh, my gosh. You know what? <laughs> yeah, I need to watch. I need to watch this again. <laughs> that is one of my absolute favorites. That was revealed at the end. Like, he pulled out his turtleneck and had this huge scar on his throat. Oh, my gosh. So that- <laughs> <laughs> this is too much. But anyway, yes. okay. All right. All right. Wonderful. On to my third jam. Okay. So my third jam is called The Coronation, The Blood from the movie Carrie. Mm. By Woo Girl. Mm. By Pino DiNaggio. From the 1976 Stephen King horror amazingness (laughs) called Carrie. The Coronation, The Blood was written and composed by Italian musician and singer Pino Donaggio. The soundtrack for the film was originally released on vinyl in 1976 under the United Artists Records label. Now, everyone knows that the movie became a legend in the horror movie genre 
period, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Period. Being cited as one of the best films of 1976, several publications regarding it as one of the greatest horror films ever made. It was ranked 86th on Empire's list of 500 greatest movies of all time. And the famous prom scene was ranked 8th on Bravo's list of the 100 scariest movie moments in history. Mm. I kind of want to know Period. what were these seven above it, but that'll be for another oh, time. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I got to look yeah. into that too. Mm-hmm. But eighth, I mean, that's huge. That's that huge. Is. And it was so spooky. I probably would have put it up there a little bit more, but that's still huge. So Carrie is one of the very few horror films to be nominated for multiple Academy Awards with Sissy Spacek, who played Carrie, nominated for Best Actress. And Piper Laurie, who played her mom as Best Supporting Actress. On the side note, we lost Piper Laurie just like a few weeks ago, actually. May she rest in peace. Yeah. So these nominations were absolutely well-deserved because, baby, (laughs) when when I tell you that both of these women played these parts like rent was past due rent, okay rent been due for about three months the way they paid played oh, these no. roles okay they said we finna get this money we finna get this money they gonna pay us okay now to this day i have yet to watch a movie where the movie was better than the book mm. now that's always the great debate ain't it it's always the great debate. And usually the rule of thumb, the usual truth is that the book is always better than the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for me, the book was fire. Please believe. And it was hugely significant as this was Stephen King's first published novel. His first published novel was Carrie. Nice. However, it was the movie for me mm-hmm. in, the, in this instance. Okay. But anyway, let's get to the coronation of blood which is a hauntingly beautiful piece. It's a classical piece of music that begins playing after Tommy and Carrie are announced as prom king and queen Mm -hmm. at the prom. Okay. Now this is a creepy AF song (laughs) that plays during that entire sequence that culminates or that ends with the pig blood being dumped on Carrie. Okay. Mm -hmm. That song gives me literal chills. And the score in this movie plays such a pivotal, essential role in sealing, to me at least, the absolute creepiness of this scene. Yes. Now, website Rotten Tomatoes described the movie perfectly. They said, Carrie is a horrifying look at supernatural powers, high school cruelty, and teen angst. And it brings us one of the most memorable and disturbing prom scenes in history. Mm-hmm. Period. The end. Let's all go home. So Sissy Spacek revealed in a 2014 interview that doing the actual prom scene itself wasn't that bad. She noted that they warmed up the fake blood before her husband, Jack Fix, who was the film's art director, he mm-hmm. would pour it on her. And so because it was warm, it kind of felt like a warm blanket. So it wasn't, it wasn't like the shock to her system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
However, to preserve the continuity of the scene, which was shot over a period of days, she slept in the blood-soaked gown for days until the scene was wrapped. Girl, you're talking about <laughs> some, <laughs> some dedication to your work. I guess she was nominated for a sinking Cause I'd be like, listen, I'm gonna take this I, off. I'm gonna I'm lay gonna it take... down right here and put it right back on tomorrow. Okay, All but right. I am not sleeping in it. <laughs> right, Man. but like I get it. Like it's that kind of attention to detail, detail and freaking scary music, like the coronation. And when mm-hmm. y'all go listen to it, y'all are gonna remember immediately. Mm-hmm. That's so it's, funny. It's we those were... type of things. Yeah, I was just right? gonna say we were chatting with um with our mama the other day about these songs, and mom was able to like just listen to the song and say what was happening at each point in the song. She's like, "Oh, that's when they was doing this. That's when Carrie did this. That's what." And I'm yep. like, "How can you do this? How can you do this?" But the music is the is music that important to the movie. Like, it's that connected to what's going on in the yes. movie that you can do that. You can. Like just and play it in your head when you're hearing this stuff. And it speaks to the scene as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, because the whole scene is kind of in slow motion and it's freaking creepy. And you know exactly when the blood spills. You know mm-hmm. when Sue is holding a rope. I'm like, <gasps> and this guy, Pino Donaggio, he composed this stuff. It's yeah. like you guys out there that compose music and write music, you're freaking geniuses. Because yeah. how? I wonder this is the scene filmed f- first. This is probably a very stupid question. But you know, like no. I wonder is the scene filmed first and then like does the music composer like watch it silently and I, then they're like, Okay, I can put some music to this or the other way around. I don't no. know. I don't know. I don't think that's a dumb question because I think it probably does vary. Like, that's why I mentioned with the Nightmare on Elm Street one, like he, they made a point to mention how he was brought in to work on it, but the film wasn't finished. So I don't know if it's a thing where it's usually worked on after the movie is shot, like they Mm -hmm. watch the movie, you know, or what have you. I'm not sure how that works. That's actually a good question. Don't know, but that music from Carrie just fits the scene so perfectly. I feel like mm. he had to have made it after the filming. Right. Because man, if I don't know, whatever, it came out perfect however, whatever order they did it in. It's perfect. Crazy. <laughs> yes. Crazy. Such a good music. Such an amazing movie goes down in history. Absolutely. And that's my third horror movie jam. Very good one. Well, my third horror movie jam is the Halloween theme by John mm. Carpenter. Whoop. My, 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 y'all. Yes. Now, come on with it, sister. <laughs> come on with the facts because I'm ready. I'm coming with them. Now, Halloween is a 1978 American independent slasher film directed and scored by John Carpenter, co-written with producer Deborah Hill and starring Donald Pleasance and Jamie Lee Curtis in her film debut with PJ Souls and Nancy Loomis in supporting roles. Now, this is set mostly in the fictional town of Haddonfield, Illinois, uh, and the plot centers on a mental patient, Michael Myers, who was committed to a sanitarium for murdering his teenage sister on Halloween night when he was a child. 
15 years later, having escaped and returned to his hometown, he stalks teenage babysitter Lori Strode and her friends while under pursuit by his psychiatrist, Dr. Samuel Loomis. It is considered one of the greatest and most influential horror films ever made, which... Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) Facts, facts, facts. Okay. Yes. And in 2006, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Mm-hmm. 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 It is. <laughs> y'all be knowing. Y'all be knowing what y'all talking about. <laughs> yep. Now, Halloween spawned a film franchise comprising 13 films, which helped construct an extensive backstory for its antagonist, Michael Myers, uh, sometimes narratively diverging entirely from previous installments. Now, additionally, a novelization, a video game, and a comic book series have been based on the film. Now, that I did not know. Mm-hmm. I did not know any of that. Yes. I was, no, I was going to say, didn't we have a video game? But no, we had a Friday the 13th. We had a video Friday game. the 13th game. Yeah. <laughs> Way back I, on the Nintendo. All right. Oh, my right. goodness. You know, I don't but, remember that, though. Okay. Uh, though many film directors write, direct, and even produce movies themselves, it is unusual for a filmmaker to be quite as talented as John Carpenter where he's writing, directing, and creating the soundtrack for many of his original films. Now, that's creeping lit. up, it is. That is so lit. Like, <laughs> I'm like, bro, you are everything. He's doing it all. Now, creeping up on the listener, the soundtrack's careful staccato score is incessant, continuing without a pause to reflect the ceaseless energy of antagonist Michael Myers. Now, right. <laughs> that <laughs> that right there because the way michael myers he be that forever i'm like sir why aren't you dead yet i mean go away <laughs> the, the music is just as persistent as he is as michael myers i'm, I'm like he won't we, go and the way he be moving you. slow but he always catch up like, he sir, always beat up he's creeping up on you just like the music <laughs> He Just creeping like, up yet always there, like always what? right there. Like, what? How is we this working? Shot you, stabbed you, uh, and you just still, and you just steadily here, just right, <laughs> right up on me, right behind me. <laughs> Burnt you and everything, that, and you there the next part. You there on the sequel. I'm like, dang, Michael. Listen, okay, yo, this is off topic. I still remember this had to be. I think this was the year me and James got married. So 2018, mm. we went to we went to the out. We went to the club for right. Halloween. And there was a guy in there dressed as Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And this dude was committed, y'all. He was he had to be about six six. Solid dude. He had to be three hundred. Oh, he was big. Okay. Pounds. He was solid and tall. And okay. he stood in the middle of the dance floor and did nothing. He just stood see, there and looked. And I was like, see, the psychos kind of be out on Halloween, I think. And they'd be so like, like, nobody's going to notice because everybody's being weird on Halloween. But I was like, uh, you're kind of like, a psycho. are you a psycho for real? You might be a or... psycho. And <laughs> it was scary. And I wanted to take a picture with him. So I went and I said, can I take a picture with you? And he's just like, he, I mean, I don't, I don't even remember how he said, yeah, but I took the picture and his body felt weird. Like he felt so weird like he was uh, just too solid i don't know uh, there's something off about dude 
and maybe I'll share that picture in the socials. I was dressed as Bride of Chucky that year. Did I? And oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah that year. My yeah, husband I remember was Chucky. You. Yeah, like a ghetto I remember y'all. I did like a homemade costume for both. No, y'all was anyway. cute though. Y'all was cute. But <laughs> did I tell costumes. you? Did I tell you about how at that horror convention I went to, there was a guy walking around dressed like Michael Myers and Mm-mm. had the had the Michael had the Halloween theme playing somewhere in his costume. Mm-mm. But the <laughs> fact that he was little made it lose its effect. I'm like, See? dude, I'm I'm eight inches like I'm taller not, than you. But I'm okay, not but okay, hey. hey. <laughs> Well, the guy that we saw at the club was very intimidating. He was very large and scary. Okay. And I like, so I so it landed. Like it landed. Yeah. It landed. It, okay. It definitely did. It definitely did. Okay. Also off topic. Um, did you see that thing on Facebook <laughs> that says black people always call these movies by the wrong thing? Like it's like the movie Child's Play. Black people, Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> the movie, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Hey, did Black you call, did y'all go? Freddy. Right. Freddy Krueger. <laughs> did y'all go see Michael Myers? Did y'all, yeah. <laughs> the movie, Halloween. Black people, Michael Myers. Michael like, Myers. Wait a minute now. It, no. We're going to have to learn Myers. the names of these movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go see okay. Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Mean, did you see that I mean, Freddy Krueger? Like, I sure did. I did. I sure did. And I know exactly what you're referring to. And yes, the answer is yes. Anyway, <laughs> why are we like this? And I love it at the same time. I do. But anyway, I do have a little <laughs> bit more info about this. Uh, about mm-hmm. this jam, the Halloween theme. Mm-hmm. Again, it was composed and created by John Carpenter himself, and the director was inspired by both Tubular Bells, which is the theme to William Friedkin's The Exorcist, mm-hmm. as well as the work of Italian prog rock band Goblin. Now, again, like I've said, the music is truly iconic. And this is this is Period. what I hear in my mind, like on October 1st. Like when I realize, what's today's date? October 1st, my mind is like. <laughs> like, I mean, the memes, immediately. <laughs> the memes, like the Michael immediately. memes, the reels, like yes. this is forever history. And this... I sometimes wonder what it's like to be a composer like John Carpenter. Create something that will be here forever. I don't know. It must feel darn good because, like, this is the spooky season anthem. Like, this is the music for Halloween, not the movie, but the music for Halloween, the holiday. Like, this is the music. Period. I love it. Like, like I don't know if y'all use the streaming uh, service Peacock, but they do have a ton of scary movies that they upload every October of every year. All the Halloweens, I think, all the saws. Mm. So it's like you created Halloween and like you paid forever because yeah, <laughs> that ain't going away. We're going to keep watching it every year. We're going to every it. year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my kid knows who Michael Myers is. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's going to be just, forever. Yep. Hilarious. Um, well, that excellent. was my third jam. Yes, ma'am. That, that was an excellent choice, sister. Perfecto. Perfecto. Mm-hmm. On to my fourth jam, sister. I think that's yes, where James. I am. So my fourth jam is I Got Five on It, Tethered Mix from the movie Us. Mm-hmm. And that's my fourth jam. That's all I need to say about that. Basically. Yep. Right. <laughs> yep. Because we because know. Y'all mm-hmm. know. Now this track is by the Loonies or just Loonies and R&B singer Michael Marshall. 
but the tether mix was composed by Michael Abels. So the original I Got Five on it was a 1995 hip hop mega hit by American rap duo Loonies featuring R&B singer Michael Marshall. And it was their lead single from their debut album, Operation Stackola, under the mm-hmm. New Tribe sub-label of Virgin Records. So the song became the group's only major hit, charting in the top 10 of at least 10 different countries, becoming certified platinum by the, rec- the, by the Recording Industry Association of America, peaking at number eight on the Billboard Hot 100, and it was voted by Pitchfork Online Magazine as one of the 250 best songs of the 90s. Yes. Which that's a huge feat because it was about 3 million best songs in the 90s. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> which we have discussed. So, yes. And which we will discuss in the future. So <laughs> that is a huge accomplishment because some fire came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So the song was amazing and it was definitely an anthem in the summer of 95. A jam. So a jam, bro, like a whole jam in 95. Like, I mean, I had that CD single, you know? Hey. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward to Christmas Day of 2018 when Universal Pictures released the trailer for Jordan Peele's new horror film us starring lapita nyong'o and winston duke with they find selves bruh bro like let's take a moment okay here for winston duke. okay that man mm. could get it all he's quite the looker and he lapita is, is very gorgeous is as well very gorgeous oh both of them together i was like "Ooh, like this is a lot it's a lot of beauty it's a lot at one time it's a lot at one time (laughs) so when this trailer was released though and i know you remember this day sister because Mm -hmm. we were texting like crazy about it it caused an immediate stir and huge reactions on social media including from me and my sister Mm -hmm. the trailer was stunningly creepy and it blew everybody's hair back due to the chilling remix done to the original I Got Five on it, which was written by American composer Michael Abels, who also did the film score for Jordan Peele's movie Get Out. Mm -hmm. The I Got Five on it tether mix and the trailer became such a hit that Jordan Peele decided to add the song to the movie's climax scene as opposed to Tchaikovsky's the nutcracker that had originally been written into that scene. Okay. The re- now that's that's the power of the trailer for you because mm-hmm. I uh, mean the what? trailer was the movie trailer, hot. bro. Yeah. Like and he I dropped remember it the on trailer Christmas. more than I remember the movie. <laughs> right? I don't really he, remember the movie. <laughs> Cause he dropped it on Christmas. And when yes. it blew up on social, like it was everywhere. Girl, when so, I heard that dog on song, I was like, wait, what did they do? What did they do? This is magic. It's magical. <laughs> I was like, this is movie magic. This it is movie, movie trailer magic. magic. I was like, who did this, bro? Who Man. did this? 
The remix was so creepy and powerful that the score for the movie was on the short list for consideration for an Oscar nomination. It was voted the score of the decade by media company The Rap. Yes. And it won multiple awards, including Best Original Score Horror Film at the Hollywood Music and Media Awards and Best Original Score by the Washington, D.C. Area Film Critics Association. So everyone was blown away by this scary, chopped version of one of our favorite rap anthems, right? Mm-hmm. Including Anthony Gilmore, better known as Tone Capone, who produced the original rap jam. Yes. So he did an interview with the New York Times, and basically he was like, hey, I never considered my song to be a scary song. <laughs> but when they slowed the beat down, it just sounded downright creepy. Yeah. yeah. Jordan Peele chimed into Entertainment Weekly that the rap truly has haunting undertones with the beat having an inherent cryptic quality reminding him of the Nightmare on Elm Street soundtrack. Mm. I was like, wow, wow. So (laughs) y'all, you just heard this. Yes. And I love stories like this where you have a composer come in and make something phenomenal and different from an already established track. Yes. It's like how you make this sound like this, bro. Don't know. So good. Definitely one of my favorite scary movie songs. (laughs) I mean, and definitely one of my favorite trailers because I do have a favorite Mm -hmm. trailers list where like (laughs) I I have some trailers that I love and never even saw the movie. I just kept watching the trailer. (laughs) And I'm like, like, this is good enough. This is amazing. Hilarious. So yes. Yes. And that is my fourth jam. Hi. Love that jam. Love. <laughs> it's on the playlist, y'all. Go play it. Mm-hmm. Now, my fourth spooky jam is The Shining's main theme by Rachel Elkind and Wendy Carlos. Now, Super scary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this this the, song is scary. Man. The Shining is a 1980 horror film produced and directed by Stanley Kubrick and co-written with novelist Diane Johnson. Now the film is based on Stephen King's 1977 novel of the same name and stars Jack Nicholson, Danny Lloyd, Shelley Duvall, and Scatman Crothers. Nicholson plays Jack Torrance, a writer and recovering alcoholic who accepts a new position as the off-season caretaker of the Overlook Hotel. Now Lloyd plays his young son, Danny, who has psychic abilities, The Shining, which he learns about from head chef Dick Halloran. Danny's imaginary friend, Tony, warns him the hotel is haunted before a winter storm leaves the family snowbound in the Colorado Rockies. Now, Jack's mm-hmm. sanity deteriorates under the influence of the hotel and its residents, and Danny and his mother, Wendy, face mortal danger. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2018, this film was also another one that uh, was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for again being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. And mm-hmm. like these movies, and Carrie was as well. I I yes. just didn't note that down, but Carrie was also. Yep, iconic, iconic, films. bro. Okay, freaking real. amazing. Like it's woo, love mm-hmm. it. Upon their arrival at Elstree Studios. Wendy Carlos and Rachel Elkin, the composers of this ominous theme music, 
were shown the first version of the film by Kubrick, and the two recalled the following. The film was a little on the long side. There were great gobs of scenes that never made it to the film. There was a whole strange and mystical scene in which Jack Nicholson discovers objects that have been arranged in his working space in the ballroom with arrows. He walks down and thinks he hears a voice and a ghost throws a ball back to him. None of that made it to the final film. We scored a lot of those. We didn't know what was going to be used for sure. So after having something similar happen to her on Clockwork Orange, Carlos has said that she was disillusioned by Kubrick's actions, that she vowed never to work with him again. She and Elkin had considered legal action against uh, Kubrick, but because no formal contract was in place, they reluctantly accepted the situation. Which, Why are they having contracts? Like, this seems to be the second know. instance where there's not a contract. I'm not Maybe understanding. Maybe they just didn't uh, know. I'm not about to do all this work and then it gets right. cut. Now, like, so we wasted our time and y'all didn't even put half stuff in the movie. But right. this theme made it. <laughs> and this theme is right. fire. Yes, okay? it is. It's definitely fire. But yeah, so Carlos's, um, Carlos's own music was released in its near entirety in 2005 as part of her Rediscovering Lost Scores compilation. So at least she got it out there at some point. But like, put it in the movie. <laughs> like, why? What in the world? But, I mean, um, I don't like doing tax returns and then we end up not filing them, let alone <laughs> <laughs> let alone writing songs. So you can, so you can relate. I mean, you understand. I, I'm not about to write a song. Listen, you know. and then you just not use it. <laughs> but the theme song was definitely used and it was definitely chilling oh. and creepy through and dark. And through and ominous literally <laughs> absolutely the epitome that, of ominous yeah that's my fourth jam all of these songs are jams bro like i'm like uh, fired yes. up <laughs> and i'm on my fifth jam already sister the party's about mm-hmm. to be over i know but the party has just begun okay if y'all have Halloween parties, use the playlist. <laughs> Absolutely. Play, play this playlist at your Halloween party. Your party will be a whole hit. Because if you okay. get those little pre-made playlists from, I don't know, Tidal or wherever you listen to your music, right, it's, it's going to be thrill Monster Mash on there. Yeah, Monster <laughs> Mash. And, and, like, uh, land, yeah. Put some yeah. real scary stuff on. <laughs> put some stuff like this on there. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we made it to my final gem. And it is a song from, I had to take a breath for this one. I left, I left this one for last. That's why I left this one for last. Mama Tried from the movie The Strangers by Merle Haggard and The Strangers. From the 2008 psychological horror film The Strangers, Mama Tried is a song written and performed by American country music artist Merle Haggard and the strangers and i wonder if it was a coincidence that the song was featured in a movie called the strangers and the band's name was the Strangers. i'm like (laughs) they had to do that on purpose they picked that song because it was by the strangers (laughs) i'm like i had no idea that the band was the strangers i thought it was only merle haggard and And so i started my research i'm like wait a minute merle haggard and the strangers y'all are so cunning (laughs) i see what you did there (laughs) i see what you did there so 
The song was released in 1968 as the lead song from the band's album Mama Tried under the Capitol Records label. Now, the jam became one of the landmark songs of Merle Haggard's career, winning a Grammy Hall of Fame award in 1999, and it was selected for preservation in the National Recording Registry due to its cultural, historic, or artistic significance on March 23rd, 2016, which was only 14 days before Haggard's death. The song is centered around the pain and suffering that he caused to his own mother by being incarcerated in 1957 in San Quentin for robbery, which I think I read he did like three years for this crime. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get to how this song was used in The Strangers. And it gave me the freaking creeps. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> The Strangers is honestly a terror movie. More yeah. so than a horror movie to Agreed. me. Agreed. Okay. As the protagonists, James and Kristen, they are freaking terrorized by some psycho masked people mm-hmm. at a secluded cabin in the woods somewhere. Now, this movie, this is a little personal thing. <laughs> I love horror movies. I've been watching horror since I was maybe two or three years old. Okay. <laughs> Mom's going to be like, why are you telling the people that? <laughs> But because my mama loved me and she let me be who I was. <laughs> no, and I right. didn't have not one nightmare, no nothing. I was like, mom, let's watch this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the only movie in my horror movie loving career that I've had to watch with the lights on. The only yep. movie. The only one. <laughs> I started off strong though, y'all. I started with the lights off. I had my popcorn. I had my drink. It was like, like I was, it was during busy season tax time. Like I was tired. I was going to treat myself to this movie. But girl, when that one part happened, and I know you know what I'm talking about, still towards the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. when girl came back a second time, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, hell no. And I got <laughs> up and I turned the lights on. Hit the light, somebody. <laughs> I was like, uh-uh. No, no. Because what I is going on not. here? So there's this one heartbreaking scene in the movie. And I won't get into too much detail in case somebody out there hasn't seen any. Y'all still need to see it. So there's this one scene that builds a ridiculous amount of tension. Because it's completely silent in the scene. Aside from this song right here, Mama Tried playing on the record player in the cabin. Mm-hmm. And I know Sister knows what scene I'm talking about. Yes, I do. I very much do. Now, there's no indication how this scene is going to go. There's no noise. There's no jump scares and other things like that that you usually see in other horror films. Mm-hmm. But this sequence is happening with this creepy as hell song playing. That's all you hear. Mm-hmm. And you're like on the edge of your freaking seat. I will remember this scene forever. Period. Now, what made The Stranger so scary and different for me to the point where I had to turn the lights on <laughs> was that this movie could have happened in real life. Like, oh, this, was not, this was not one of those, you know 
gory, mm-hmm. far-fetched, frills and over-the-topness, right. you know, of your usual horror movies that's like fun and ah, look at them, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no. This could have happened to a couple in real life. There was no jump scares. There was no, you know, and all that. There was a lot of silence. And it was the soundtrack that was full of creepy songs that you didn't even really realize were creepy until they put them in this movie. And you're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And this is one of the songs. And there were about three or four other ones from this soundtrack alone that I could have picked for this episode. Definitely. Because I have another one from this movie in mind that Ab- is also abs- creepy. Yes. Uh, yeah. This the- movie is so doggone good, too, y'all. Ooh. Ooh. So good. The Strangers, go check it out. It's on Netflix right now. <laughs> not an ad. <laughs> Look. <laughs> not an ad. Not an not ad. <laughs> this is just me ad. wanting just, you to be scared with it. me, too. <laughs> <laughs> and that is my fifth and final jam. I love it. My fifth and final jam, y'all, from like the quintessential scary movie. I feel like this is the scary movie of scary movies. Absolutely. The the Exorcist. Mm. Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. Yes. Okay. Yes. Exorcism (sighs) movies might be the scariest of all to me. They're scarier than slasher films for sure. They absolutely are. They are. I love them, but they are scary. Yep very scary Mm -hmm. so this music tubular bells is the debut studio album by the british musician mike oldfield released on may 25th 1973 as the first album on virgin records Mm. Mm -hmm. um it comprises two mostly instrumental tracks and oldfield who was only 19 years old when it was recorded played almost all the instruments wow yeah now, Tubular Bells initially sold slowly, but gained worldwide attention in December of 73 when its opening theme was used for the soundtrack to the horror film, The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Yes. Whew. Now, this mm. led to a surge in sales, of course, <laughs> which increased right. Oldfield's profile and played an important part in the growth of the Virgin Group. Mm-hmm. It stayed in the top 10 of the UK album charts for one year from March of 1974, during which it reached number one for one week. It reached number three on the US Billboard 200 and number one in Canada and Australia. Now, it has sold more than 2.7 million copies in the UK and an estimated 15 million copies worldwide. Now, mom was just telling us the other day how much this music freaked people out whenever they heard it after seeing the movie like Mm -hmm. in that again it just shows how these these scores are so connected and so interwoven with the Mm storyline with the images of the film like it's just absolutely all a big thing that works together like one without the other it's it's just it it doesn't hit it doesn't hit. hit because they together it's mm-hmm. so crazy how you can literally take the image of the movie away from somebody and people are still impacted, still frightened by the yep. music by itself. It's crazy. Yep. Now, The Exorcist is, again, a 1973 American supernatural horror film directed by William Friedkin from a screenplay by William Peter Blatty based on his 1971 novel of the same name. Now, the film stars Ellen Burstyn, Max mm-hmm. von Sydow, 
Jason Miller, and Linda Blair. And the story Whoa. follows yeah <laughs> the story follows the demonic possession of a young girl and her mother's attempt to rescue her through an exorcism by two catholic priests now blatty who also produced and Friken, his choice as director had difficulty casting the film their choice of relative unknowns like burston blair and miller instead of major stars drew opposition from warner brothers principal photography was also difficult taking place in both hot deserts and refrigerated sets many cast and crew members were injured um some died and Mm. unusual accidents delayed shooting production took twice as long as scheduled and cost almost three times the initial budget so yeah these many mishaps have led a lot of people to believe that the film may have been cursed Mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. doesn't sound too <laughs> too far from like too much like a like, lie like right? it don't sound no. like a complete lie I mean. like maybe they might have been right because what <laughs> oh, i don't know so it became the first horror film to be nominated for the academy award for best picture as well as nine others now blatty won best adapted screenplay while the sound engineers took best sound it has had several sequels and was the highest grossing R-rated horror film, unadjusted for inflation, um, until the movie It. Now, the Exorcist had a significant influence on pop culture and several publication, publications regarded it as one of the greatest horror films ever made. Yes. Agreed. And in 2010, Woo. like a couple others we've mentioned already, this one was also selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry for, again, being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And we Absolutely. can all agree. Absolutely. Yes. Exorcist is quite the horror film. I also very uh, much enjoyed, if you can use the word enjoyed in this case, but I very much was spooked by the exorcism of Emily Rose. That's one of my other yeah, favorite yes. exorcism uh-huh. movies. The exorcism of Emily Rose. That was a good one. Whoa. That I mean, was we deep. went to go see that at the movies together, didn't we? we I know I went to the movies to go have. see it. I feel like it was with you. Hmm. That was a Quite good possibly. one. Yes, it was. Girl. So good. Woo. Ooh, yes. And that is my fifth and final jam. Yes, sister. Woo! Way to close that out because that the exorcism or the exorcist is a closer. Yes, That's a that closer. it is. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> Finish strong. Yeah, yeah. Finish him. <laughs> On next week's episode, Mortal Kombat songs. No, no right. <laughs> I, I love this. this. I love this episode so much. Thank you so much, sister, yes. for agreeing to do this one. So excited about Halloween. So, I do enjoy Halloween. It just means the holiday yes. season is upon us, and I'm here for yes. it. And we love scary movies. Yes. I, I actually go to sleep to scary movies. Okay, she's a with creep. that. What you will. <laughs> I mean, I go to I go to sleep to true crime podcasts. So <laughs> right, and we're also true crime. <laughs> podcast enthusiast so it's like yes we are yes whatever so a shout out to some of our listeners and social media followers so on our episode featuring our favorite jams about places geographic locations that is 
we asked on our Spotify Q&A, what is your favorite city that you've traveled to and what is your dream travel destination? And listener Nika noted that her favorite city so far is Dublin, Ireland, Mm -hmm. and that she would love to travel to Italy or go on a Mediterranean cruise. And we're here for it, girl. I love it. You got to come back and let us know when it's booked. Okay. Yes. yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And send us some pics. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we got to show love to one of our absolutely favorite Instagram followers and listeners, Talk Therapy with Kim, love. who correctly, hey girl, <laughs> is you there? Of course she uh, is. She there. <laughs> she correctly guessed our hit reel for last week's episode topic, which was our jams from famous singer songwriters. Congrats, girl. Congrats, Talk Therapy with Kim. <laughs> Hey girl. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for sharing. We love each and every one of you. Please continue to comment on our social media posts and our Spotify Q&As and polls. Yes, yes, yes. Much love to you all. And of course, y'all already know, head to the show notes, click the links. The playlists are still there even for this week. I know we got some not in typical jams, but we do yes. have the playlist built for your listening pleasure. Click and listen. And it is also, our shortest playlist so far, but you know. Yes. I think it's only <laughs> it's about only 29 like minutes or something. 29 like that. minutes. So, so just okay. give it a little spin. Give it a little spin. And again, <laughs> have it lined up for your Halloween celebrations when you are making your spooky treats and all this kind of stuff. I know. Listen to it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and of course, uh, on our social medias at my sister's jam on Facebook and Instagram, we will uh, try to have the music there as well, as long as we can find it on Instagram and stuff like that. It should be there oh, as well. We did find it. <laughs> okay, beautiful. We it will be go. there as well. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, also, like my sister said, remember to continue to respond to the polls and Q&As. And please do give us five-star reviews on whatever platform you are listening on. Please leave us a review. Write a little note in there. Tell us how much you love us. We will appreciate it so, so much. Yes, um, please. And, and thank you. Can you. Always, please and thank you. You can always email us if you have questions, feedback, comments, whatever, at mysistersjam at gmail.com. And I think that's it. My sister, do you have anything else? That is it. We are out, y'all. Bye. Bye.